With authority. Aloha. Welcome to the most muscles and podcast in Barry Sports. Welcome to ABC7 Sports. With authority. I'm Casey Pratt. That's Larry Beal. You're inside the ABC7 Sports Department. Leonard is behind the glass. Uh, and we are ready to deliver episode 14. They said it couldn't be done. We're at 14 and counting. Coming up, the art of misinformation and disinformation in NBA free agency. Never. The sky is falling. Kevin Durant opted out. Wait a second. He, he might still sign with the Warriors. Okay. Imagine Madison Bumgarner getting ready for a start. Wearing the green and gold of the Oakland A's. Could that ever possibly happen? We'll tell the story of the long day that Casey and I spent in prison. The big house. Together. San Quentin. We did it. And no more traffic on the Bay Bridge. The solution. Right here. Right here. Got it. It's all coming up in this fine program. So, early this morning, we were both getting calls, both getting texts. People were panicking. People were freaking out. Kevin Durant has opted out. He's leaving the Warriors. That actually was the pitch that most people were at. Uh, When Kevin Durant made the decision, does anybody listen to this podcast? We've been (laughs) saying this for how this was going to happen. Of course, he's going to pass up $31.5 million dollars. You, too, would pass up $31 million if you knew you would get a minimum of $164 million, right? Yeah, I mean, at this point, I wouldn't pass up $31.5, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you had that windfall coming, and he knows he's got it coming because the little birds all over the NBA are chirping, and they're all conspiring, and he knows what's about to happen. He's going to get a max offer from somebody whether it be the Warriors or the Knicks or the Nets. And so opting out is a no-brainer. $31.5 million is going to turn into way more money than that. So let's talk about the various scenarios because the way the league set up the Supermax, the idea behind it was, and, and actually it's the Kevin Durant Supermax because when he left OKC, there was great uproar from many NBA owners saying, this is unfair, the super team, we can't have this. So they said, let's create an incentive for star players to remain with their teams. And they came up with the extra year on a contract. So if you're with a team, let's say KD, Warriors, they can offer them five years with escalators each year as opposed to other teams that might seek out his services. They can offer four years. So the difference between what the Warriors can pay in a five-year deal and Durant can get from the Knicks or the Nets or the Clippers, the Lake, well, whatever, is $57 million. The question is, if you're Kevin Durant, do you want the extra $57 million to stay, or would you rather join your buddy, Kyrie, in Brooklyn? Or who knows what he might want to do? Yeah, and I am clearly not Kevin Durant, nor do I have even an iota of his skill set. But if I were him coming off an Achilles injury, which is very hard to come back from at the age of 31 next season, I would take that guaranteed five years and 221 and change. And I would stay with the Warriors because if you leave 
you're not only betting on yourself, you're losing that year, that $57 million. You're going to another team where you're going to have to build something up. And it's going to be a tougher slog, especially when you're going to miss the first year of your contract. So no matter what kind of team and teammates and people he can cobble together, I think your best bet is to stay with the dubs, take the extra money, go into the chase center, have a group of people you're already comfortable with, and let this thing continue. Keep the dynasty. How crazy is it that after spending almost all of this past NBA season with the speculation that KD to the Knicks is a done deal, it's over, it's finished, forget about it, here we are coming up to July 1st free agency, and it appears that the Brooklyn Nets might be the destination. You know, when you talk about building something, the Nets were a playoff team this past year. If Kyrie Irving goes there, now you assume that they'll swap out Kyrie for D'Angelo Russell, and Russell will go elsewhere. But they're a pretty solid team. That's He's not going to have to build that up. I didn't think we were going to have to talk about the whole Durant situation on this podcast because we've covered it so many times. This was the week we were finally not (laughs) going to talk about Kevin Durant. And here we are. And here we are. I'm going to take a turn I did not think of up until this morning when I really started looking at the numbers a little bit more carefully. In as much as I know that the Warriors are all in on Durant or they, they seem to be all in, they want him to come back, I'm looking at year five of that deal. $50 million for a 35-year-old Kevin Durant at that point. Now think about this. Steph's contract would have already expired, Mm, right? Okay. So you assume, like, Steph is the franchise. So let's just say, and he's going to be making 40, he's already at 40 million. Mm -hmm. So he'll be in the 40s. Clay's contract, because we assume they're going to go all in on Clay as well. So he'd be at around 38 to 40 at that point. The, the, the cap situation and luxury tax would strangle most teams. Now, yeah, it would. Joe Lacob can afford to pay because he's got a little ATM known as the Chase Center, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is just going to print out money. But I'm thinking about it for a second a little bit differently, and I didn't think I would really feel this way. If I'm the Warriors... Okay, we're not going to have Kevin Durant next year anyway. If he leaves, he leaves, and it would give them a chance to reset their whole salary cap situation without being strangled for the next five years by that contract and Steph's contract and Clay's contract. And, oh, by the way, Draymond Green wants to get paid also. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, does it really make financial sense? In as much as you want to roll it forward, does it make sense to pay a 35-year-old Kevin Durant $50 million and be unable to get many other meaningful players who can help your team. This is and I I love watching Kevin Durant. I want to see Kevin Durant in a Warriors uniform. I just I'm starting to think it doesn't make any sense. Financially, it's going to be very tough. And we talked about this on last week's show. It's going to cost them about I think it was like $1.6 billion if they tried to sign all these guys for the durations of their contracts. I think you give it to them. And I think you give it to them because you're paying for the lump sum 
It's just all part of the equation. The dude absolutely deserves it. He's one of the best, if not the best, player in the game. And if you have the opportunity to keep him on your team, you just go ahead and do it. Will he you be just the best coming off Achilles tendon surgery and five years down the road from now? That's a big question. And I think that a guy like Kevin Durant, if he loses a few steps, is still going to be one of the best players in the league. I don't know, and we've talked about this in the past, I don't know I would pay anybody $50 million, period. But I think the way you have to look at it is if you can keep a Kevin Durant on your team, you do it because that's keeping Kevin Durant off someone else's team. Well, there's that also. (laughs) But we don't know what he's going to be at age 35. Let me me pose it to you another way. Next year, you're not going to have him. Regard well, we assume unless highly unlikely he comes back after nine months, and they—I mean, the magical tale would be nine months goes by, he's feeling great. Warriors get in to the playoffs. Clay is healthy. And Durant is healthy. Back. By God, that's Kevin Durant's music. <laughs> You're going he's Jim coming, Ross. He's coming out to save WWE? the day in the playoffs. Oh man! By what God, a, what, what a story that would be. Uh, <laughs> my Undertaker. Anyway, uh, uh, random Paul Bearer reference there. I can't so, get enough of those. So, okay, and now I lost my train of thought. Uh, let me ask you this way. Since you're putting all this cash in for KD to come back, how many titles are worth it to you to pay this lump sum of money to all of these dudes to just keep running it back, running it back, mm-hmm. running it back? Is it one more title? Not one. Is it not, not two? Not two. No. <laughs> okay, LeBron. <laughs> no, seriously. What, oh, what, man. what constitutes value at that point for a five-year deal? For KD and and you have to you have to look at them as a group. But if you're going to pay this one guy, I mean, that amount of money, how many titles? You, do you would need to have win? to hope to win at least two. But you also have to keep in mind with that roster and that star power, you will continue to be the epicenter of the league. You will continue to be the team that is everybody's focus. And I think that alone is worth it because when you're trying to build and maintain a dynasty. Right now, the Warriors are the talk of everything. We saw it in the finals. Every game was its own dramatic miniseries. Every game was just crazy drama, and it just keeps everything going with the league, and the focus being on the Warriors is huge. And if you keep these stars, you keep that too, and LeBron isn't getting any younger either. No, but I think you know other teams are, are on the way up, and it's funny. That actually leads us into what we had really planned to talk about mm-hmm. at the top of this podcast, which is... Rumor madness. It's just been insane. And I, I just made a few notes here. Of course, we, we know that KD's going to the Knicks. Oh, wait, 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 hold on. No. KD's going to the Nets with Kyrie. Wait, wait a second. Didn't Kyrie call LeBron? So Kyrie's going to the Lakers, right? He's going to the Lakers. No, no, no. The Lakers, the Lakers said they might be in on Kawhi Leonard now. Oh, wait, I thought Kawhi was going to the Clippers. They weren't hearing that all season. And and now Houston wants Jimmy Butler, uh, partly because uh, Chris Paul and James Harden can't stand each other. Unless they do like each other, but everybody says they can't stand each other. And, of course, Clay will go to the Lakers if he doesn't get the max from the Warriors. Although he might go to the Clippers. So you ha- all of this falls under... The category that takes me back to way before I was born, 
and it's a, a phrase, a word you probably have never heard before. Okay. You ready? <laughs> yes. Desinformatsaya. Desinformatsaya comes from the title of a KGB black propaganda department. Joseph Stalin Whoa. coined the term. He created a special disinformation office <laughs> in the Soviet Union back in Russia, 1923, spreading false information deliberately to deceive, which is what we see every day on social media with everybody and their sources. Their yes. sources. Disinformation was defined in the Great Soviet Encyclopedia in 1952 as false info with the intent to deceive public opinion. It didn't appear in English dictionaries until the late 1980s. Then came revelations the Reagan administration engaged in disinformation, desinformatsaya, wow. against Libya. And by 1990, it was pervasive in U.S. politics. And in 2019, it is pervasive in the NBA when it comes to free agency. <laughs> that is my new favorite word for everybody with their sources, desinformatsaya. And if you listen to this podcast, we say it often, we guarantee you will learn something new. That I have never heard before. It may not be useful, but you'll know something new. Oh, unless you listened to our Bitcoin advice last week. But, but so, oh, I by the way, by the way, <laughs> we cannot take responsibility. That is not financial advice. But <laughs> since last week's podcast where we talked about Libra, the fake crypto that uh, Facebook. Facebook is launching, and they'll probably hear this and sue me, but it's not a real it's not it's not a decentralized currency. But since we started talking about Bitcoin last week, up three grand in a week. To the moon. Moon. When moon? Soon, apparently. And again, don't invest more than you can afford to lose. So do you have a, a take on any of uh, the sources and the, the daily rumors? And I think there's one way to look at it. And the thing that really just came up that was a bit frustrating, there's a report that Kevin Durant was upset with the Warriors' handling of his injury. That came from unnamed team sources that were not the Warriors. League sources. I won't even say who came up with that report. It's crazy talk because Kevin Durant has not only the Warriors medical staff, his own medical staff that cleared him, his own camp. It was a group decision. It wasn't just the Warriors going, play, 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 play. Although they, were saying, they were saying that also. I they think. wanted <laughs> it, but it went through everybody. And then the next day, the very next day, Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski, who's more dialed in than anybody else on the NBA, says that Kevin Durant's camp has been completely quiet. Even he doesn't know where they're going, which means those sources were bunk, and they did not come from Durant or his people. You'll remember on the 4th of July, the day, the infamous day he decided to sign with the Warriors, nobody knew it was coming. It just dropped on the Players' Tribune. And I do remember uh, reading something recently, and I guess now I'm guilty of dropping the sources here, but it was... A quote from one unnamed NBA source who said, I really don't know where Kevin Durant is going to sign, but you can be certain that whatever he's deciding, he's going to change his mind 25 <laughs> times before he decides. So I think that's kind of where we're at. But I just wanted to touch on one other thing because, look, most of this, 
And it is kind of propaganda with all these. Now, some of it is deliberate leaks, like Clay's Absolutely people. Absolutely deliberate leaks. They, uh, they, they're pushing the Warriors to give him the max. So his dad says something, and other people close to him say, okay, we're going to throw the Lakers out there. We'll throw the Clippers out there just to make sure that we get the, the five years, and I think he'll get 192 or whatever it is. So there, there's some deliberate attempts to, to prod and poke mm-hmm. the organizations. But one thing I just wanted to clarify, because – this is another thing that's just it's social media carries this and it's like a wildfire and it was the book tour from Andre Iguodala that was fascinating the sixth man who said a whole bunch of stuff and if you just take one little clip out of context it sounds like he's crushing the Warriors medical staff because he said uh, last year when he had his injury in the playoffs and it was described to the media as a bone bruise in his knee. Later, he revealed that it was actually a microfracture. Mm-hmm. And, you know, depending on your surgical perspective, a bone bruise in its most severe state could lead to a spider fracture. So were they really being deceptive with us? I, I don't know. I don't know. You, you can decide that for yourself. Anyway, so... Iguodala was talking about how he felt pressured and the, the team said bone bruise, but it was worse than a bone bruise. And so everybody just crushed the Warriors like they're lying. They're lying to everybody. And then what, what do we get? Instead of the sound bites that are everywhere about he was on the breakfast club and he said this. Here's the quote. And he's talking about Durant's injury, the calf, which turned into an Achilles tendon tear. This is Andre Iguodala. Quote. I don't think the two were connected personally with his injuries. When he goes down, I look at it as an act of God and a higher power that says, this is your journey and the course. Is that going to be splashed all across social media and everywhere? No, it's quietly out there, but it's just indicative of, now this is not intentional disinformatsiah. (laughs) <laughs> propagated by a rogue nation. But it's just, with social media, it's an example of how quickly random quotes and excerpts can be used or misused mm-hmm. to further a storyline. Yeah, and before we turn the page, when he said that, everybody was so fast to jump on the Warriors' medical staff based on what happened with Durant. But if you look back to just last year... It was a different staff. Right, it was Chelsea Lane's It wasn't staff. even the same staff. Well, and they, So they, you can't pile on one like it has to do with the other. It's completely different medical staffs. Yeah. The, the other thing pretty, is that crazy. the players... You know, Andre Iguodala, if he was in any way upset by getting pressured, as he described, from uh, teammates and family members and media, like, when he, it's just a bone bruise, dude. When are you going to come back? If if he knew, okay, it's it's a fracture and we're we're involved in the cover up. He's involved in the cover up. He could have easily <laughs> just said, "This is yes. a far more serious injury than you've all been led to believe." I'm going to be out probably for a while. Here's where it gets interesting because you know the NFL is probably the league that cracks down the most on disclosure of injuries mm-hmm. because of the, the the gambling. Yeah, and the NBA. I don't know if they're going to change course, but. I mean, hockey's the worst. They won't even tell you no, the specific... lower body, upper body. Lower body, it. upper body. Concussion, upper body injury. I mean, you can watch <laughs> a guy get laid out on the ice and, you know, they'll say uh, lower body. <laughs> so I'm not sure if the NBA is going to 
change anything in terms of disclosure of injuries because coaches are all paranoid. They don't want to give teams any edge on the like. Come on, if if Kevin Durant doesn't come out to warm up, I'm pretty sure he's not playing. So yeah. I don't know what is really gained by any of this, but. Everybody, every team does it regularly. Well, you don't want somebody to attack the area that is injured. Well, yeah, no, of course, if you, you know, know that if a guy has a, a wrist injury, suddenly everybody is karate chopping down on exactly. that hand. Exactly, just so trying to take all the hacks they can get. They're trying to avoid that, but uh, here we are, and, and so some of the mysteries tend to be, uh, some of the injuries tend to be mysterious. Shall we turn oh, no. to the world? Of baseball, <laughs> meatball, Paul. Here he is. Folks. For those not watching us on YouTube, Casey is holding up a bobblehead that features Lucille Stomper and the disgusting meatball Paul with real meatball scent. Which and is fading, I hope. You want to explain the bet? No, it's not fading at all. Okay. Uh, so Larry and I have a bet that we will update regularly on this show. The A's have to win 15 more games than the Giants, and if they do, Larry will eat two foot-long meatball subs, which actually doesn't sound that bad, but he's an incredibly healthy eater, so I will laugh hysterically at the entire process. But you gave me 15 extra games. 15, 15 extra wins. games. So, so the what, A's what have to win 15 more. Up to the minute. <laughs> the, I'm not even going to look at them right now, but I am what? about halfway there. I think we have nine games right now. I think I'm up nine. I'm down nine? I think you're down nine games. Oh, come on. It's getting ugly for come you. Come on, Bosch. And it's going to get more ugly. The reason we brought this up is because that MLB trade deadline is rapidly approaching. And when you look at a guy like Madison Bumgarner, you look at a guy like Will Smith, who's been perfect on saves this year, I hope the Giants have the sense to sell and sell as high as they can on these guys. Well, I, I've been saying you have to trade Bumgarner. I thought it would happen in the offseason. Here's where it gets intriguing, though, because the Dodgers could use help in their bullpen. Yes. Would the Giants willingly trade Will Smith to help the Dodgers? Or Which is worse, trading Bumgarner to the pitching needy A's? Could that ever happen, <laughs> given that Farhan Zaidi has ties with both? He came up with the A's organization. Yes, he does. And he previously worked in the Dodgers organization. Is it blasphemy? I mean, I can't even imagine. I don't. I think that the Giants would be more likely to trade him to the Dodgers than the A's. I think so. And the A's and Giants never make deals. I think the addition of Farhan Zaidi with the Giants could potentially change that this year. If they do, I do not in any way, shape, or form seeing the A's acquiring Madison Bumgarner. I absolutely do see them potentially acquiring Will Smith because the A's are always in the market for more relievers, and Will Smith is not only pitching very well, he's a lefty, I think the A's would be more apt to acquire Will Smith. I don't think there's any chance they're going to give up what it'll take to get a Madison Bumgarner, and I don't think the Giants want to see Madison Bumgarner across town. And Well, they wouldn't want to see him in a Dodger uniform either. No, I don't think so. They wouldn't want to see him in a Dodger uniform either. And, I mean, I just don't think the Giants are going to be contenders for a good few years, so maybe it doesn't necessarily hurt you that bad to send Mad Bum there to the Dodgers. I just don't see it happening with the A's. I actually have this scoop. I learned this. 
The A's and Giants never make trades with each other, but I did find one thing that they trade all the time. So Steve Vucinich, the clubhouse manager for the A's, will send large bags of dirt to Murph in the Giants when they're running low on supplies. So they have this turfus. It's what they what? rake over the infield. If they're running low on supplies, they're often sending supplies back and forth between the A's and the Giants. They're making trades all the time. They trade dirt? Infield dirt. Isn't that interesting? I, Again, something new you will learn on this podcast. They do make trades. They just don't trade players. That's fascinating. The it Giants is. cannot find their own dirt no, anywhere? No, they all, all the teams have a ton of dirt, but every now and then you'll go through a, a spell of like a lot of different rain, not often here, but there's different instances where they will run low on supply and they'll swap bags. It's pretty funny. That's, I, did the Dodgers and Angels trade dirt? I don't know. They might. They so, might. So if I'm the Giants, I'm trading Bumgarner. I'd like to send him to the Soviet League, actually. <laughs> not, not that I what want What is that anything, called again? Uh, Desinformatsaya. That right there is uh, Desinformatsaya. Um, I think they'll trade him to the Minnesota Twins. Uh, well, I was going to say, I would trade That's him to the American do. League so you don't have yeah. to deal with him unless you're in the... Well, there's interleague play, but you're not likely to see him. I, uh, Will Smith, just get whatever you can for him mm-hmm. because he's not so interwoven in the fabric of the Giants franchise in terms nah. of the, the, the World Series appearances and, and all that. So, uh, to, to, like, he's like a mercenary to me. Yeah, in and they terms acquired of, him for two prospects that went on to do absolutely nothing. So they aren't heavily invested in him. He's pitching great. That's why I see this. If the A's and Giants were to make a deal at this trade deadline, it would be Will Smith. Yeah, and same with the Dodgers uh, yeah. because the, the Dodgers have uh, bullpen needs. But, yeah, I don't, I don't see – I mean, it would be crazy. Could you imagine what the Coliseum would be like if, if Madison Bumgarner were to walk out of a dugout wearing the green and gold? Uh, I mean, I well, you might have. I would welcome it. I actually, I mean, Madison Bumgarner, as much as his stock has gone down a little by little here, uh, freak injuries, he fell off the dirt bike, he got a liner off the pinky, he had a drop in velocity. That dude, as a postseason performer is as good as they come. And if the A's were to find themselves in a wild card game again, throw Madison Bumgarner out there and have complete and utter faith that he will get you there. Since, it, it won't happen, though. But I'm yeah, just saying, that would be you, what you do. You wear the green and gold underwear on a daily basis, so you're all all A's all the time. <laughs> but could you imagine the scene as Bumgarner strolls out to the mound for a wild card game in the green and gold and 13,000 fans oh, go wild in the Coliseum. shot. <laughs> it is interesting, though, that the A's just lost their all-star closer in Blake Trine into injury. The Giants have a closer handy. And the A's just lost their ace, Frankie Montas, to suspension. And the Giants also have an ace handy. It is interesting. I'm not saying they would ever make those moves. Now, we were talking about Frankie Montas off the pod. Yeah. And Larry had some very interesting knowledge when it pertains to why Frankie Montas was suspended. Yeah, so this is kind of a hard left turn from where we were going here. I just want to say one thing in his defense because this came up and and, and every time somebody gets popped for a, a PED type suspension failing a drug test invariably the athlete says I unknowingly ingested a substance and I was 
buying over-the-counter supplements, mm-hmm. and I had no idea, blah, blah, blah. And, and we then all, the appeals began. And we collectively just raise our eyebrows and go, come on, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really, you didn't know, after all this, how many years of steroid talk and all of that. But then I started doing some research because I recognized the drug in question. And uh, how should I put this? I have a buddy of mine who dabbles in this oh, area. No. <laughs> And uh, uh, a the, the research. I'm talking about the research. The research and development. And Not even the development, just the research. He had mentioned to me a couple of years ago that there was this product called Osterine. And I didn't know what it was. And he said, it's, it's not a steroid, but it does have muscle building qualities. Hmm. So if you were to take it, uh, it would help you get more muscular and you could lift more and blah, blah. He's a big, uh, you know bodybuilder powerlifter type um he has a long history in this area anyway uh not important from that standpoint but but then so when i saw the drug i was like hey that's i remember that and then i I started doing some research online and came across a video from usada the u.s anti-doping agency from 2017 in which they said athletes be on the alert we're seeing a whole bunch of samples of supplements with this substance called osterine you're not allowed Mm. to take it it's not on the labels in any of these products they don't know if it was a cross-contamination situation because let's say you have a lab and one side of the lab is producing stuff for company x the other side is producing perhaps questionable stuff for company y and you, you're using the same machines, and you can have cross-contamination. Mm. So all I'm pointing out is that while we may scoff at the excuse, and, and Montas, is, he's out 80 games, and he's banned from the postseason. So he's yeah, gonna, it's a uh, massive suspension. He and the A's are paying a heavy price. He might have been telling the truth that he took something over the counter, and it happened to be laced with small amounts of Osterine that he did not know about. Yeah, and I know for a fact that when he made his last start for the A's prior to the suspension, they knew the suspension was coming because they had already begun the appeals process. When he lost the process, he was suspended. And I'm pretty sure that is the exact case he was making. Steroids? Illegal. You know where you go if you commit crimes? The big house. The big house. Larry Beal and I spent time together in San Quentin prison. It's not what it seems, though. (laughs) We were roomies. No. (laughs) We went there with the Golden State Warriors. Was that two years ago now? It was two years ago. Unbelievable. And that was an incredibly eye-opening experience. I couldn't believe what I saw inside. Not only was everybody in there incredibly nice, they could ball. Yeah, they have a basketball team, and it actually ties back to Kevin Durant because he has his own production company. And they produced a, a movie, documentary, called Q-Ball. And mm-hmm. it's all about this basketball team that they take very seriously inside San Quentin. And you have a lot of guys trying out. Uh, you've got to pass several levels before you, you know, first of all, you have to be, you can't be any shady behavior you've got to be a good solid citizen while you're in prison it's definitely a it's a privilege reward a privilege and a reward to play for that basketball team and then you've got to be able to play you got to be really good and then you've got conditioning and all the stuff that goes i mean and they don't have weights in san quentin which is one of the things that we both noticed you have a lot of guys doing like 
a zillion burpees because they don't yeah. have and I, I presume it's because weights could be used as a weapon yeah there's there's gotta, i mean yeah. we saw some guys when we walked in where they were doing just pull up after pull up after pull up after pull up and they then pull down push-ups 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 burpees it, and these guys were shredded uh we walked in actually with bob myers javel mcgee and the larry o'brien trophy which was a crazy scene you come down this corridor and you kind of open up to the yard and you you check it all out and you take it all in and it is quite an experience and then when we were down there on the basketball court i mean we were pretty much just walking around amongst the population we were not allowed to wear anything blue red several different colors i think was it green we weren't allowed to wear i remember i remember i just wore a white like a white polo and the crazy thing was is we would be down on the basketball court. We'd be talking to people. We'd be socializing sure. and getting things done. And then out of nowhere, boom, everyone would hit the deck. Yeah, the siren goes off. Yeah. And the prisoners all know at that moment you've got to just sit down on the ground. And we were instructed not to. And that was one of the most strange, surreal feelings to just be mid-conversation with somebody and then bang, just thousands of people laying on the ground and you're just standing there looking around awkwardly. It gets real pretty fast. Yeah, as I recall, the Warriors, uh, Bob Myers, the general manager and other assistant coaches, and Joe Lacob's son, Kirk, he really, uh, he goes there actually, he told me, fairly regularly Mm -hmm. and and they play pickup games with the prisoners and so he does it as kind of a community service thing to show these guys hey there is life after your time and you know just stay solid and don't do anything stupid and you know when you get out you can you can have a life and uh and make something of yourself and so i think he, he looks at it as community service but as i recall at the end of the game we were doing a uh, an interview with one of the star players. Fatality. Yes, was his name. There's a story behind that as well, and I believe the siren went off when we were doing those interviews, and everybody went down to the ground. Well, that was actually hectic, and I don't know if this is in cue ball, but they had won the game. The, the San Quentin Warriors beat the Warriors contingent. Obviously, it doesn't include players. JaVale was not allowed to play in the game at the time. Right. Bob Myers dominates in that game every year, though. They had won on a last-second shot, and then the Warriors were cool enough to actually hand them the Larry O'Brien trophy. So there's this, like, Madden celebration. All these guys are like, there's guys crying. It's emotional. They're so happy. They're holding the trophy. They're celebrating. And then the alarm goes off, and it was like... They were so over-the-top jubilant that it was like it was just this crazy, sad, surreal dose of real life when it hit, and that was that was wild. I'm going to tell the fatality story just because it, it remains unclear. Because at the time, so fatality, I don't remember. He's from Brookfield, which is he grew up, uh, I believe, playing with Damian Lillard. He's a really good player. Very good basketball player. He hit player. the game-winning shot, and... He told me that his nickname Fatality had is because he had like killer game. And so when we came back to the station, you started doing some research and then there it became a little bit nebulous or cloudy. Maybe to, that wasn't how as, we got the name, but as to circumstances that might have led to but we never really got an answer as to whether he was in there because he committed fatality. No, or, and it, it almost like didn't matter because I mean, the key to all of this, it's hard for people to understand when you haven't been there. It's rehabilitation. It's making a change. It's 
finding a way to be a better person, no matter how you got in there. And it was like so many people would come up to you and just want to tell you their story and just say like, hey, I'm here. Like, I'm a real person. I exist. Like, here's my background. I ended up chatting with so many different people throughout the day. And and it was really just wild and eye opening. And I think that a lot of those guys, you could very much see the system working for them in a lot of ways, but also working against them. It was, it was pretty sad. Actually, you know, Marcus Thompson was there with us of mm-hmm. the athletic. He wrote one of the most fantastic articles on that trip, the way he captured everything. I would highly recommend it. Um, we also did a video of the entire day on YouTube, which is also fantastic. Um, it was just an, an unbelievable scene. And I mean, you go in there, it's no joke. Like you walk in and they take everything you own the second you walk in. Give me your keys, give me your wallet, give me your phone, don't bring your jewelry, watches, anything. They 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 strip all of it. And then you walk in and then that gate clanks behind you mm-hmm. and it's just you're you're if you if you're disappearing somehow or not being responsible, they're probably not going to be able to come to find you. Yeah, it, it gets, was it was real. Gets real very quickly. And the one thing and I presume this is in Durant's documentary called Cue Ball is that by and large the the prisoners in there just wanted us to get the message that they are actual humans absolutely and they all have stories and reasons why they ended up where they ended up and are hoping to make something better of themselves as opposed to ah these guys are trash just lock them up and throw away the key and so there were there were a lot of really interesting people and stories and, and some guys that were thrust into situations that it just was impossible for them to get out of. And that's how they ended up in San Quentin. But, uh, but that's our story on our, our day in the big, that's actually my second time that I've been in prison. Leonard's producer Leonard. Just like, oh. hmm. I am not surprised. <laughs> anyway, shout out to the San Quentin Warriors. Shout out to anyone in San Quentin that was there with us that day because y'all couldn't have made us feel more at home. And this story turned out fantastic. Maybe on some other podcast, I'll tell the story of my other time <laughs> behind. Are you allowed to? Bars. Like, what was the what was the agreement? <laughs> With the lawyers, we're teasing and all it. That. We, we got to tease that one Just, down. Uh, gonna leave we'll it, tease uh, that one down. We're out of time for we that. We are actually. Right we're now. starting to run short on time, but we have to get this in. Leonard, every show asks us a question. We have no idea what that question is going to be, which means we're completely on our toes and often admit terrible things. Leonard's going to ask, "How many times have you been incarcerated?" Yes. No, we're. I mean, we already know that now. <laughs> Two. No, I am going to do something <laughs> entirely different for you guys. I'm calling the scenarios. This is what you're going to do. I'm going to give you a scenario. You're going to completely act it out directly into your camera. Oh, geez. I'm going to throw some music underneath it in the edit, and we're going to have some fun. <laughs> so uh, don't this worry. This is not it's... normal podcast <laughs> Don't material. worry. It's, it's a speech that you're going to have to give. Oh. Here's the scenario. You're the coach of an elementary school soccer team that is down by five. You have to send out your team with an epic hype speech. Oh, no. Go. Larry, you're first. We're, uh, what age are these kids? Uh, yeah, they're elementary school, so I don't know. Like, let's say 10. Okay. Uh, guys or girls? Uh, they are girls. <laughs> no, we're going to do girls. this. Well, I, it's, it matters. I mean, I have a six-year-old daughter. I should be able well, to handle Well, go ahead. Go first. No, go no, first. no, no. You go Larry first. first. You go right. first. All right. Listen, ladies. We're down 5 nothing. We can do this. Okay? Now, let's just tighten up our defense a little bit. Okay? Let's not give up. 
Let's pressure the ball. Let's keep it moving forward. And as soon as we get that first goal, I promise you, the rush of adrenaline in your body is going to carry you. We are going to score six straight goals. Our keeper is going to shut them out in the second half. And we are going to win the trophy. Okay. There you go. Did they win? I don't know. Uh, Not four or five. Uh, what was that? Four or five. They lost by one. Oh, we, oh, okay. oh. oh wow. We, we gave it a good good try. Go ahead, uh, Mr. Six-Year-Old. I have a six-year-old daughter, and since this is a five- to six-year-old girls soccer team in Leonard's uh, proposed scenario, I think I know how to get them to perform. So it would go something like this. All right, kids. Gather around. Gather around. Everybody, take a knee. Do you like YouTube? Yes? You like YouTube? Do you like watching your YouTube videos on your iPads? You do. If you don't go out there <laughs> oh, no. and score five more goals while stopping them defensively, no more YouTube. If you go out there and you win this game, I will take all those apple slices and Capri Suns. I will throw them away. And we will bring in Happy Meals and toys and cupcakes, and we are going to win that game. And everyone runs out. Bribery. Bribery works every time. I like his speech better, but I'm a little <laughs> concerned about calling Child Protective Services yeah. over threatening the children with taking away their I'm use. Just take, they shouldn't have that much screen time anyway. You're right. No, you're, you're doing really a good They really shouldn't. Thing. I'm just, I mean, like, his speech, I'm sure, would work, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're trying you, to take stuff away you gotta from them. You've got to cut to the core <laughs> of their... Yeah, that's, that's what works with kids. Is this what you do with your own children? Is oh, that, absolutely. We have an app that we can just chop YouTube down. They, why are they watching YouTube? She loves to watch videos of people opening toys on YouTube. Oh, that that kid! Oh, oh yeah, that kid. Oh, that kid this, makes millions of dollars. The kid, what is he like? A six-year-old kid who opens presents and yeah. toys all day long. And then Did he you kind know of rides if instead around? of putting this podcast on YouTube, if we just hauled in a bunch of toys and we just sat around opening toys with with like whimsical music, we'd be millionaires. Well, that kid makes like twenty million dollars a Amazing. year. Amazing. Well, I mean, his parents do. Well, I know, but he didn't even know what's going on. But he just <laughs> exactly, only, yeah. he has no particular skill except he's cute and he opens toys. We could do that. Oh, yeah. We might need to make a hard now. transition How on this podcast. How many years have I been wearing makeup? <laughs> uh, all I had to do was open some toys. No, just get a, get a manicure, make sure your nails are good, and then just open toys. I'm That's it. Not. That's the secret. Not cute enough at this point for that <laughs> for that job. I yeah, heard you're better going to San Quentin again. <laughs> yeah. Oh no! Oh. Back right. to the news of the week. Earlier, you said no traffic ever again on the Bay Bridge. I need to know how. That I get was that. that was that was merely a tease to get you to listen. But this is a story. <laughs> you should never admit that. Uh, sorry. Well, there, we're already like uh, forty-three minutes. We gotta in on go. This, so, so this is a story from SF Gate, and it was written by Mike Moffat, and I want to give him credit because I'm just uh, digging through here. But, look, you and I both live in the East Bay, and we take the Bay Bridge to come into the city of San Francisco. It's never easy. Every. As Zaza says, nothing easy. Agonizing day. Well, it's gotten worse, I think, because of all, all the Uber and Lyft drivers, and so congestion is just, it seems to be at an also, all-time high. Also, the metering lights, I hate you. We we got to do you uh, actually lights. seriously. The, the I team needs to do a story on the metering lights. Get rid lights of the metering because lights. the metering lights just create backups. That I'm not convinced they yeah, solve. Yeah. Anyways, anything. I All digress. Right. Anyway, 
So it turns out this is not a new phenomenon that people are frustrated with the Bay Bridge because in Mr. Moffat's story, he writes, in 1946, the Bay Bridge... <laughs> 1946! Did they even have cars back then? Yes, they I did. guess they did. The Bay Bridge wasn't even 10 years old and already people were complaining about the traffic! <laughs> in 1946, uh, the quote is, the present facility is not adequate. It's already carrying more vehicles than many thought it would, and each year the volume of traffic increases. That was from Marvin Lewis, who was a city supervisor. And so... And the head coach of the Bengals. They never made the playoffs. Um, <laughs> in any case, they, they wanted to look at possible solutions. Yeah, I can't wait to hear this. Enter an engineer by the name of L.H. Nishkian, who thought... Imagine the longest barge that you could ever build. <laughs> and alongside of the barge, he would have the, the bridge and the barge. They would be separated by just a little bit of a distance. But the barge would be 400 feet wide <laughs> and would have 36 lanes through the middle of the causeway. That seems realistic. 160 feet of which would be dedicated to a railroad. So you'd have cars and you'd have a railroad, and basically the whole gap of the bay would be covered by this barge-like device, construction, uh, whatever you want to call it, because it's not really a bridge, but a pathway or a causeway. And uh, there's a picture of it in his article. Now, a couple of problems with this. Um, for one thing... Here, can you hand me the picture? I'll see if I can show it on YouTube while you read those facts. This is behind yeah. the scenes here. We're uh, passing papers. For one thing... If you're watching on YouTube, here's the picture. Uh, it would completely congest the bay. So the notion of ships coming and going in, which, which people kind of want, would be severely restricted... Uh, also, the cost was going to be astronomical. Uh, there was another plan, uh, and, and this plan, uh, aside from just sounding unfeasible, um, it kind of fell by the wayside because this, this poor guy, uh, engineer Nishkin, died in 1947. So he was really the guy that was pushing for this, for the 36-lane <laughs> The mother of all highways of all across the bridge, across the bay. Uh, and then there was a guy who had another plan, and that was to dam off the bay in two locations and use the dam as a crossing mechanism to get from one side of the bridge to the other. And engineers looked at it and said, well, you know, you'd basically be creating lakes instead of a bay. And like, no, this is going to flood. You, this is just not feasible yeah, at sounds all. Sounds like this a disaster. A comical idea that you guys dreamed up. Anyway, the cost would have been prohibitive in any case. But uh, back in 1936, they built the Bay Bridge for 78 million dollars. And last year, I was at a construction function, and uh, I asked the guys, uh, all these big name construction dudes uh, in San Francisco, at a luncheon. What would it cost to build another bridge? Because a lot of us got delayed. We were stuck on the Bay Bridge. And they said, start at $10 billion and go from there. Mm. So yeah, I think I saw you know, the equivalent today, if you wanted to try to 
build this 36 lane thing would be something like 13 billion dollars. <laughs> so, 36 lanes though. That sounds 30, legit. Oh man, we'd be ripping it across. We'd be at work in no time, Casey. But we wouldn't be speeding. Well, no, because we went over that no, last week. We won't be speeding ever again. So that's it. I really don't have a good solution. I'd love for them to build the second bridge. The solution bridge. is getting rid of the metering lights. Well, that's that's the first part of it. And we stop can... doing construction work when a Giants game gets let out. That That's also that's the other a good thing. recommendation. I mean, come on, people. All right. Anyways. Another good recommendation is how to find us if they don't already know. If you don't already well, know. Wait a second. How If they weren't listening already... This is like Inception. This is another level. If you're listening, you should be watching on YouTube. If you're watching on YouTube, you should be listening via iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play. Or if you just want to pop on the computer and type it in, you can just go to abc7news.com slash with authority. And you will find the show anytime. All the archived episodes are there. All the links for the various places you can find the pod. Like if you don't know how to find us on SoundCloud, all you have to do is search with authority. If not, go to abc7news.com slash with authority. Click the button. That's it. We have many fabulous programs to digest there. 14 after this. 14 and counting. And the big thing to help us grow the show, comment, subscribe, send us some tweets. At Casey Pratt, ABC7, at Larry Beal, ABC7. We will put them in the show. And again, hit that five star button. Have Just you, do it. Hit it. Have you have you done your job with legal yet? No. So we have giveaways no, planned. We'll get to those eventually. We have big, big, big giveaways planned as soon as Casey does his job. If enough of you tweet me asking for the giveaways, I will we, fire we them out. We actually have. We have really good giveaways. A Kevin Durant all-star jersey. Actually, we should give that away before we July 1st. We better get that out of here quick. The, the value of said or merchandise. Or it might be valuable decline. for five more years. Plus, we have a Steph Curry all-star jersey and a ton of different bobbleheads. So we have all kinds of cool swag for you guys. Uh, we are just waiting to finalize the legal paperwork, which I'll get to eventually. Okay. Please do. And with that, Aloha. Aloha.